welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. We are episode 54. That's like the age that where you become sad. My name's Quentin Smith and I'm joined by Matt Lees. Hello. And it's just us today. It is. Just me and you and some video games. Some video games. We've also been, uh, we've had a couple of, of large ciders um, because we've had a very long day making fantastic videos. Actually, on this Thursday, <laughs> you'll be Hopefully able to watch. fantastic. Uh, it's going to be good. I can feel it in my bones. Uh, we've got a video about... Uh, 80 days which will be up on the website this Thursday yep. and also I've been working from the crack of dawn on a video about Destiny the Taken King which came out last week and is on coolghost.net because obviously this is a podcast brought to you by coolghost.net it's good it's good we just finished our first Patreon hangout not to toot our own trumpet we'll get into some really good video games in just a second but my god that that hangout for the patrons was really fun it was a lot of fun yeah it, it's a thing we kind of threw in as being like this would be a cool thing to do with people who are who are willing to donate to the, the future of the site. They'll be able to pop in, hang out with us, ask some questions. But we had a whale of a time. Yeah, the first thing, the first game we're going to review is the game of the software of Google Hangouts where what you do wow. on listed Hangouts. It's great. I mean, People can ask questions and then actually upvote them and then you can tag them and yeah. answer questions. And So if you want to see what this is like, if you want to like know a bit more about us or mainly just like the site and the future of the site and all sorts of actually kind of probably fairly interesting behind the scenes stuff if you're interested in this kind of thing, uh, then you can go to, again coolghosts.net and on, you know, I've put a link in last Friday's thing it's kind of this podcast going out in the future so if you go to last Friday's post called something for the weekend there will be a thing prominently at the top of that saying hey if you want to watch the hangout we're not going to put on the site as a video because it's not really like strictly speaking kind of what we treat as video content but if you go and look at it on the hangout thing I think you'll be able to go and see the questions and see the responses to them it's a pretty cool piece of software and if you want to check it out then keep an eye out uh, towards the end of next month and more. We'll invite you along for some more boom now we've done our promotion i want to talk about a video game what i've been playing this weekend that's really good it's exciting but you haven't played it so your job for the next five minutes is to, is to make sure up. i'm well no it's the opposite it's to make sure i'm not being boring uh okay and the game is city skylines after dark it's a night time it's night and it actually adds nighttime to city skylines which is the game that came out where everyone was like oh this is everything i wanted from SimCity." Uh, by a small developer. And this um, is a really big thing, right? Because they kept adding in, like... Um, well, they didn't add stuff in. Modders were amazing. And they basically realised that, actually, rather than doing tiny little things in the way that SimCity was like, hey, download this hot dog-shaped building. <laughs> That's not a thing they <laughs> For did. For only 50 cents. Yeah, they were doing a lot of microtransaction stuff. And they've allowed the community to handle a lot smaller stuff. So they want to make sure that, with this expansion, they added something meaty. And so it's called After Dark and it adds nighttime, but obviously it adds loads of other stuff. Yeah, the idea was that if, I mean, if you haven't played City Skylines, I, th- I think the thing that I've not seen a lot in reviews that I would mention is like, you know how you play SimCity and you're trying to make a nice city, but especially this was the case with things like three and four, it's quite tough to earn money sometimes. And you want to make, actually developing a city and just creating the city of your dreams kind of... Sometimes the game is tough and gets in the way. Skylines doesn't care. Skylines says, oh, you've got a residential zone. Here's some tax money. Great. Good job. Do you want a zoo? Like, I mean, it's just fun. <laughs> and uh, so, and yes, the mod support's there. And they, they knew that modders could make more like building types than they ever could. So with After Dark, what they focused on is stuff that affects like the code base, the stuff that, that modders wouldn't necessarily know how to tweak. So there's stuff in there like, no, you can have tunnels. If you press page down, uh, you can dig roads into the earth and then you can just connect them up together. Um, And also whole new zoning types, which are like revolutionary stuff. So here's what you can do, Matthew. You've got your town. What's your town called? 
Sexville. Sexville. You've got Sexville, but there's not much sex happening in Sexville, What's is there? What's wrong with me? There's not much. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I find myself in bars occasionally just looking at men and going, What's wrong with us? What the fuck are we? Uh, and that was just me being a man. Do you want to take another bite of that apple? Do you want to, I'm sorry. Do you want a different name for your town or are we sticking Sunshine with Sunshine City. Sunshine City. You know, the problem with Sunshine City, there's not much sex happening. So there's, <laughs> there's, a, new, there's a new thing you can do. You can zone uh, commercial districts, which are usually like shops and stuff. You can zone them into nightlife districts um, is one of the things you can do in After Dark. And the interesting thing about them is, A, they create shitloads of noise, but only at night. And this is the new thing. What do you get with the expansion? You get new code, you get a new day-night cycle. And I don't remember this being in SimCity, but the cute thing you've got here is that, um, like, in the morning, people will go to their jobs. In the evening, they'll go away from their jobs back home, and they'll go to the nightlife district. And in a game like City Skylines, which is really... And I'm really hoping that you jump in whenever I'm being boring here. No, I'm, li- I'm liking this. Okay, good. Uh, so Skylines is mostly a game about public transport. Colossal, Colossal Order, who are the developers who just burped up this amazing SimCity game that you should absolutely get if you're at all into city development games or development games in general. Their history is a, with a series called Cities in Motion, which is literally a game where you design buses and trains. And it's also the transport. worst name for a game ever. Cities in Motion... I just think about, like, bodies in motion. I think about, like... Um, Sounds like a really bad name for a new romantic band. I think about digesting food, personally. Uh, <laughs> Either of these things are great. <laughs> yeah, so they knew roads and they knew traffic, and that is absolutely shown in City Skylines because the one big thing that gets in your way isn't money, it's not, like, taxation or whatever. It's, um, it's the fact that your city just has horrific traffic jams and people yeah. can't get where they need to go. So, um, uh, yes, the new day-night cycle is super interesting for that. Because, like, for example, you might have a city... Like, I was designing my city, and it had incredible traffic across this bridge at nine in the morning. And I was like, this is really bad. But it is only in the morning, and maybe my people can just put up with it. And it's only nine in the morning. Of course, it's rush hour. People yeah, exactly. are used to it. Yeah, so it's super neat and um, and fun, and obviously it's nice seeing all the lights pop on. To be honest, uh, yeah, I've just seen screenshots, and I've seen screenshots of the city at night, and it's beautiful. I love cities at night. And I mean, it may just be now that, you know, it's kind of like slightly tipsy Matt talking, and slightly tipsy Matt is bringing up all these slightly tipsy memories. But whenever I find myself in, in foreign cities yeah. and, and uh, a bit tipsy in a hotel room in a, in a high tower block... I just always end up being like... Oh. <laughs> Which you do often in your jet-setting millionaire lifestyle. Back in the day, I was quite the traveller. <laughs> to the same cities in America again and again <laughs> to look at different video to games. To see exactly two things. The inside of a hotel, the inside of a steak restaurant, so three things, and the inside, inside of a developer's yep, office. that's pretty much it. But then I'd like, you know, drunkenly lean outside onto the crap balcony or just... Yes, no, I've and been And try there. and take photos of my SLR of static traffic. And I don't know, I just think it's beautiful. And no, actually, no, see, I've had that exact same attitude you're like I've made it you think while in the back of your mind you wonder how you're going to write a six page preview of an MMO that no one's going to play I think it's just beautiful I think it's uh, it's not often that you get to have these kind of these vertical views of cities at night and just watching all the traffic lights and the uh, the kind of like you know the, the lava brake yeah. lights and all this stuff and it's really cool and I, I've seen screenshots of uh, Skylines at night and uh, it's yeah they've really captured that kind of like there's something about a city at night that's kind of beautiful. And actually, one of the things that I always remember about GTA 4, I don't know why, is the first time I heard um, that Phil Collins song that was in GTA's 4, GTA, GTA's 4, GTA's, um, the GTA's games, uh, was the first time I was flying a helicopter. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that because the first mission, I think, where you get a helicopter in GTA 4 is like you're with the... Um, 
like I think he's Jamaican, the Jamaican guy, and he's like he's lighting, he's like smoking weed in the helicopter, and you can hear Nico being like, "What are you doing?" And it's so surreal uh, that particular script. And I remember like, but his character's thing is like, "No, look at this. We're above Liberty City in a fucking helicopter. This is some James Bond shit." And it reminds me of what they did with um, Trevor, the psychopath in GTA Five. Where it's like characters who just speak your mind, speak yeah. the mind of a gamer playing a yeah. game. Yeah, which is terrifying in the case of Trevor. But uh, <laughs> yeah, which but, well, I, and he's my favorite character in the game for that reason. He's like, I think Trevor's the smartest thing about GTA Five. You're probably right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's the thing of just being like having this beautiful, shining city at night with I can hear it calling Ooh. in the air tonight. That's and the great. thing about that song is, you know, the thing about that song is everyone always remembers the. <laughs> no, you know, sorry. I, I jest, but but actually, can you the, explain that joke for the fifty percent uh, of our right. audience? What is American? If you're an American, then I, I just transitioned the Phil Collins drum solo into the theme tune from a, a very popular British TV soap called EastEnders, um, which is funny. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's more the fact that the thing about that song that I hadn't really captured from. From soundbites was the fact that actually the, the the really powerful thing about that song is the gaps and the fact that in this build up to that drum moment you have these these really sparse moments of like not a lot happening musically and it's actually quite a rare thing now in pop music. Pop music is quite uh, you know it's leveled in a certain way. Yeah, uh, so oh, this is the, the loudness. Yeah, it's thing, leveled yeah. to be kind of constantly quite loud and constantly quite attention grabbing. Whereas this Phil Collins track in particular, you know, it's not. I don't think it's the best song in the world, but it has like these moments. It requires your attention. It has these moments of not a lot happening and this atmospheric stuff. And having this moment where you're in a helicopter and you're in this <laughs> air and you're just focusing on this, especially with GTA, which is a game which is actually again quite loud. You're always yeah. on the street. There's always noise. There's always car engines. Well, there's not. You know, they're they're very careful with that. That whenever you get out of a car, you know, the soundtrack never follows you, except on the rare occasions it does. It really plays with... No, 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 the soundtrack doesn't follow you, but the noise does. Oh, and what, you mean you get things, out of the car and it becomes a noisy street? Yeah, one of the things that bothers me about GTA sometimes is I'm really enjoying a song and I want to stay in the car. Yeah. In the same way I that... I mean, you must have done that, the thing where you get to a mission and then you lap the block because yeah. you want to finish listening to the song. I mean, I used to do that in real life. I used to, like, Yeah, actually, so did I. Wait outside the corner before going to see my girlfriend because I wanted to wait for the Mars Volta album to finish. <laughs> Because I just fucking loved it, and it was in a really good bit. But um, yeah, I guess that's what I liked about the helicopters is because it had this thing of you didn't have to like you know. It also wasn't even just about getting out of the car for a mission. It might be like you bump the police, and then you had to do a chase, and it was spoiling. It was hushing your buzz, man. Yeah, I mean GTA Five. I will always defend as like people you know complain about GTA Five a lot. Like they complain about like say Metal Gear Solid Four that it's this big complicated game, and it it's not even satisfying for a lot of its duration, and it's. It's overly developed. Um, but I will always defend it. Like, GTA V, same as four. It's a game of moments. You don't play it for the storyline or the missions. I mean, I'm sure a lot of yeah. people do, but if you're like me, if in whatever way, for a start, I'm sorry. But also, you know, if you're like me, you will play GTA V for like 40 hours, and you will play it for probably like in those 40 hours, maybe three moments, where, you know, you're on a highway at night, and you're not on a mission, but you've just finished one. And you're driving back to your apartment and just the right song comes at just the right moment. And it's like, oh, this is a fucking cathedral. This is like, yeah. this is thousands upon, like countless man hours creating this one perfect moment. And it's not even a moment for everyone. It's my moment. It's my song at my point in the plot with my headcanon on my road. And it's perfect. 
You know what I find fascinating about this though is the fact that like I've you know I've managed quite successfully within my own life to just uh, quite quite deftly escape the rat race and yet I find it really hard to escape the rat race in video games <laughs> um, and the fact that like you know GTA just has you this sort of constant like breadcrumb trail of, uh, of, of missions and things to do and and actually, like from what I can tell, the real joy in in GTA Five is just getting out of there, just 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 oh, ignoring what? it, ignoring it, and doing ignore it. You just, want. You've got this whole map. Just go to the mountains. Just just, just do something. Like, and yeah. I see people like mountain biking down the mountains and doing all these daft fun things, and I, I somehow like my brain just can't do it. it well, just you know, keeps that's going to the mission point isn't doing the mission. To Rockstar's credit, that was one of the nice things about GTA Five was that it force fed you, for example, skydiving in the missions. And actually, my favorite mission in GTA Five, which I will always tell people, like people will be like, oh, I didn't do GTA Five, especially friends of mine who are super into indie games and will roll their eyes at a AAA game. Like I always try and play everything, right? But um, uh, when those people, I always say, okay, listen, just listen. There's a mission where you're like, oh, we have to shoot down this plane and get the object inside the abstract loot it doesn't matter so they shoot it with a gun that is comedically large like it's in the back of a van large <laughs> and they shoot it and it starts going down and it's got the three character system so it jumps to trevor who's on top of a mountain and trevor's like i don't know how you expect me to get the loot and they're like look and he looks up and the plane is crashing and it's crashing like it's going down slowly and trevor's on top of a mountain on a mountain bike and they're like chase it and then you get control so you are racing down a mountain like a full fucking sized mountain after a plane that's slowly crashing with obviously amazing music on the radio that they've scripted to be playing at that exact yeah. moment and you're yeah. going over jumps and you're driving and obviously that's bliss like yeah. it's just perfect I think the thing I found frustrating in the end uh, is that I, I didn't get to that point right I played it for probably about 15 hours and uh, I think the thing I find frustrating about, about GTA is, is the way that people always talk about it and the way that press talk about it is as if it's a sort of cinematic film-like experience. And I think it is. I think actually the nature of the way that the narrative unfolds in GTA is more like a Japanese RPG and the fact that it gets you to care about the characters by you just spending a vast amount of time with these characters <laughs> in lots of very small incidental cutscenes which you have to work quite considerably for to unlock. Whereas like something like The Last of Us, what I adored about that was the way it just cut away huge swathes of chunks of time by oh, just yeah. going by just going you don't need to see this and just going boom boom and just going now we're cutting to this I mean Last of Us is an amazing case study in just how little time that's how you do cinema games I like. agree I agree and Last of Us is my favourite jump cut ever which is where um, is, that, is it Ellie and Jake did I get that right uh, it's uh, I don't know if it is I don't think it is Jake I, think <laughs> I don't think else. it's Jake either uh, Joel yes that's him and I don't even know if it's Ellie <laughs> it <laughs> so, is Ellie okay yeah. good so Ellie and Joel get in a car and, um, you know, Joel's like this world-weary man and Ellie's in the back seat being like, whoa, we made it, God! Like, oh, wow, I can't believe we did that. And Joel's like, you should get some rest. And she's like, I'm not even tired. And then there's a beautiful jump cut. Yeah. They keep the camera in the same place. It's a very modern filmmaking yeah. thing. And she's just asleep. Yeah. Like, And he's still driving in exactly yeah. the same position, yeah. having conserved his energy. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. But so the interesting thing about GTA V, and I, I, I mean, I doubt even Rockstar know this, is that with a GTA game, now they've got themselves in this position where they have to provide an epic. They, Or at least they feel like they have to provide the 100-hour game. And I would be super interested in a study which can never happen, which is, would the world in general be happier with the world's most stunning 15-hour GTA game, or what they've been doing for the last few, which is 80 hours of padding? 
Yeah. Like, and we'll never know. I wonder, because I think a lot of people, loads of people didn't finish GTA 4, and I reckon loads of people didn't finish GTA 5 either. I mean, I, I reckon it's like Pillars of Eternity. People ask for this. And they don't want can, it. Yeah. And then actually, the stats prove that people don't want it. They like the idea. It's like board games. Like uh, I love the idea, but I just can't stand it when it does a thing of, I'm just into the mood, and then it goes, oh, let's have you doing a mission where you drive a lorry for a bit. Well, that's Pillars of Eternities. Oh, let's go into this dungeon for four hours. You see, I disagree with you about Pillars, but well, that's, yeah, that's I mean, a that's fine. conversation. But it strikes me that this is probably similar to... Um, uh, so there have been studies with board games that I know about because we do Shut Up and Sit Down, whereby um, if you track people's heart rate, and it was Hasbro that did this, I think. Um, if you track people's heart rate uh, and like excitement when they receive a board game, it peaks when they're taking the cellophane off and opening it up. And it never gets back where it is. I've told you this before. Uh, so you open it up and then they're excited and it's still quite exciting when they're playing it but it dips when they're through the manual so like I reckon Witcher 3 GTA all this stuff is as big as it is like Ubisoft games as well Assassin's Creed the collect 1000 flags thing I have a suspicion that it's that way and I wish I was more just a bit more connected to the games industry because I'd have an answer um, I reckon these games are so big because people buy them because they're chasing the endorphin high of like Witcher 3 for example your first moments in the Witcher 3 being like this is a world I'm going to spend a thousand... I'm going to have sex with so many women. I'm going to kill so many wyverns. And, but actually, most people do exactly what I did with The Witcher 3, which was play it for eight hours and go, oh, these controls kind of piss me off. Put it down. I'll come back to it later and never come back to it. I did that after 40 minutes. And I'd like to go back <laughs> because they've apparently patched it up and people keep saying it's amazing. Um, but no, I think you're right. And I think actually that's one of the reasons why for years I've always defended Call of Duty because people always... Yeah, yeah, the campaign, right? They always go, oh, the campaign's too short. And it's like, it isn't. Because Call of Duty is a game which understands the ritual. And the ritual is you buy it. Oh my God, I'm excited. And you know what? You don't want to sit through a long campaign. What you want to do is play it with your mates. And so it has this thing. If you buy it, you play this campaign. And I'm not saying the campaigns are good. Often they are actual dog shit. And they <laughs> for what they do... It's like 50% of the time, right? For what... Yeah, it's like a really bad success rate. And for what they do, they could do what they do better. I'm not excusing it. Like, I, I, I get what they're going for. They don't nail it. But what they go for is smart. Of just being like, you know, here's something you can finish in, in like tops five, six hours. Yeah. And it's basically this idea of you buy it, you're excited, you go home, you put it in your console, you play it, you complete the campaign and during the campaign it introduces you to most of the new toys that you can play with in the multiplayer but then that's it. You go into the multiplayer and that's it. You don't care about the story. The story is just a part of it and you know what? They've kind of lost their way with that but back in like Modern Warfare 2 was the perfect example of this. It was just this fantastic stupid roller coaster where you're hyped as fuck. You get this game, you put it in your console, <laughs> you have this amazing nonsensical roller coaster that if you look at it for more than two seconds you go hang on a minute is this an Escher painting what the fuck is going on here <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense at all but then you're in and you're shooting people online you're having a blast and that's all you want and then from that point onwards you can tap out whenever you want and you've had a good time it reminds me of actually of all things um, remember I think it was a couple of weeks ago we did an episode where you'd bought the Taken King expansion for Destiny yeah 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 you'd yeah. spent £40 on it and I said I'm going to sit this one out I didn't I mean full disclosure I get, I get it from Activision like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy it you son of a bitch. I'm sorry. I mean, you could probably do that you as well, but I'm sorry. Like, I, <laughs> I, need to, I need to do some Destiny. I mean, that's that's as far as my relationship with developers and publishers goes. I like they can <laughs> send, they can send me free copies of games. Okay. I will cover them. So if, uh, I only ask for them if I'll cover it. So honest, I ended up caving and buying the Taken King. Do you know why I did it? Full disclosure, I would have paid it. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
so I ended up caving. You know why I caved is because uh, of the. I wondered because you were like, "I'm level 40 I'm like, "You said you weren't." Gonna it was do a this. Friday night, and my girlfriend went out. Oh, no, it wasn't even a Friday night. I just had an evening to myself, and sure. I said I wasn't going to do it. And then <laughs> what actually happened is it was the endorphin rush. It was taking the cellophane off. It was. Um, I knew I had like two hours to fill and I couldn't think of any more exciting than the first two hours of any Destiny expansion. Digital cellophane. Which Bungie have nailed, which yeah. is when you buy an expansion, everyone go... It, actually, it's funny because with Crota and the Taken and uh, House of Wolves, which are the last two, when you buy it, there's a few new people to talk to and that's what I was buying Taken King for. Like, just like, with no labour, they would give me cool shit and they've nailed it with the Taken King because in the Taken King, you start it and about all 20 people in the tower, all 20 vendors go, Guardian, oh my god, Guardian, oh look, we've got this gun, there's this mystery, like, I've got some shoes for you, like, ah, oh, here's a shader, also, oh my, Guardian, Guardian, you've been playing for a year, here's a bike. My daughter made these shoes for you. My daughter, yeah. she'd like to meet you. You know what that is? That's actually because they were like, that's part of the, the year one event. I know, yeah. And I couldn't get that either. I'm like, why does everyone want to fucking talk to me? What's going on? <laughs> and they're all giving me like, mostly garbage, but I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. does this end? I mean, like, but the Bungie also have us trained to love new content so much because if you play Destiny, you'll play the same stuff. Hey, you like ragged on me a couple of weeks ago. Like, we're not ragged on me. We're like, all right, you know, let's talk about Alessio's plans. It's, it's well done this time, right? Oh, no. So, okay, yeah, I made fun of you saying you're not allowed to talk about the Taken King uh, unless you can explain the story. And I thought that was going to be awesome Darth Souls podcast content. Because you're going to watch Because go, no ah. fucker can explain the story. And then you did, and I was confused. And sure enough, I played the Taken King, and it's like, oh, they've got like rudimentary storytelling stuff yeah. down. It's fun, though, right? Yeah. It's this weird thing of like the characters you know start talking, and you're like, <laughs> ow. It's this weird thing that the phenomenal voice actors from Firefly and The Wire are given actual dialogue and jokes to say. Yeah. It's one, especially, you know, it's one of these weird things where like a lot of people are going, yeah, but it's mostly just Nathan Fillion being Nathan Fillion from Firefly. Are you kidding me? Like, And it it's like, you know what? Firefly's dead. Like, one of them's a fucking absolute nutbag. I never want it back. It's done. So I'll have more Nathan Fillion <laughs> from Firefly. Put him in Destiny. I mean, make the him... other thing is also, like, figure out what voice actors are good at and, yeah. you know, make... There's, there's something like, to be said for making them do that. It's just Nathan Fillion from Firefly, but a robot. I'm happy with that. Like, put him in Destiny forever. We can put those funny, <laughs> those funny fellows with the blue hands that we never found out about them. I also put like, them in Destiny. The weirdest thing about the Taken King's plotting is uh, I'm going to do this to my best to make this interesting for people who haven't played Destiny. So the um, the the Crota Crota under what, what Dark Below? What, what's it called? <laughs> Dark Below is a different uh, it was game. the Dark Below. Then it was uh, okay, Dark Below. Yes, good. Yeah. Um, so in Dark Below, they introduced a character who was basically like Maudlin incarnate. She was she's literally crying black gas from her eyes permanently. That's not an exaggeration and she speaks in a very okay Matt ask me a question and I will answer it in my best Eris Morn fashion how can we stop Crota Quintin only by entering into the darkness and not looking back can we gaze into Crota's soul that's pretty good that's pretty good I did my best I thought you I was hoping you'd ask like have you done the shopping and then I'd do Eris Morn oh, okay. alright have you done the shopping no so anyway Eris <laughs> yeah. uh, Mon probably does do the shopping she's very but they take the piss out of it right no yes this is the thing they've done this character who's super maudlin and then for the duration of the Taken King they are making fun of that character because she is still herself but it's weird because it's like making fun of the, the history of the game which is kind of fun it's like they've kind of made fun of what the game was and it's kind of fun yeah um, they, they, it's it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot, but um, they, want, they still haven't um, allowed the warlock. So the interesting thing about Destiny is the tutors who are for the different. I say this is the interesting thing. This is boring, but the the three different class sort of tutors, the teachers, 
are played by um, uh, the the police chief from The Wire, and then also Nathan Fillion and the girl who was also in Firefly. So Nathan Fillion was the captain in Firefly, and then the 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 fucking the black girl who goes out with Wash in Firefly. Um, she's also oh, yeah. at the table. She's she, she's the person who's the warlock tutor. So she's standing right next to her old captain, and they never get to talk. And she's still boring. She's still boring in the Taken King, and I want to see her fun side. Yeah, they've kind of made it so everyone else is a straight man, and Fillion's just like leading the leading Which the charge. Fine. That's fine. I get it. It's fine, but it's fun, and it's like it's needed to happen. And actually, I found myself thinking last time, like, oh man, I really wish I had a ghost that just had like uh, was just Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> I just love that, just being like, go on, go on, kill these these guys. I mean, that's the future, the isn't things. it? You know how Steam did, uh, Valve did um, yeah. announcer packs for Dota Two, so you can have like comedy celebrities well they say they're planning to add a, a new one every year um, as like like, maybe, like, like a doctor like Doctor Who regenerating yeah almost so you could just choose a different one if you want a different one and uh, I'd love it if they started to have like comedy ones incredibly stupid. but I suppose the problem is the more <laughs> the Vax like, oh, you gotta kill her I'd love it I'd really and it would just be a better game because it doesn't need to be serious and po-faced and actually I had a funny moment where like we were playing one of the new encounters in the, in the Dreadnought which is basically a difficult boss encounter that you can summon in a public area so like strangers can come in and join <coughs> in. it's cool but like it's a different encounter and actually what it does is it summons a boss from the the first the second raid of it summons crota basically huh. and it means that if you don't know if you haven't done that raid and you don't know how to kill crota you don't know what you're doing but the problem is also you can only go in with two other friends and so you have to rely on having a few other people who are strangers who are going to help. And if they don't understand the encounter, <laughs> you're kind of boned. And so it relies on this thing of like having strangers who are willing to help for basically no reason, but also, which is fine because it's just fun to do stuff. But we had this thing where we kept fighting this thing and the people who were with just didn't get it. And I was like, oh, well, maybe if we keep doing it, they'll just like figure it out. They'll work it out. They'll, they'll look at what we're doing and wonder why, like, why do we keep dying? Why do we keep failing? And they didn't. Uh, <laughs> but the guy was playing with this funny thing and it was like really like a, a kind of testament to how badly things have been done in the past with Destiny. He was like, oh, why didn't they? They should call it like, they should at least like make it obvious that this is like, you know, he's a relative of Crota. Like, they could make it like, call him like the cousin of Crota or something. And I was like, dude, like that's the whole game. <laughs> like, the whole game is like, oh, this guy is the oh, yeah, second cousin removed of the, this guy <laughs> and it's like you're constantly being like oh we thought we killed them all but he's got this really angry stepsister <laughs> I mean de like so much of Destiny it only gets away with because it's so like, credit to the artists and like so many people on Destiny's team like it looks so beautiful and bombastic and the music and the voice acting and it's so many people trying to carry what is ultimately just a bad script a lot of the time yeah and like oh my god my girlfriend just loves when I play Destiny because she laughs so much and I was saying this before the podcast there's a bit you're doing a mission and Eris Morn pops up and says ah yes take the crystal then you will have the essence of Crota's soul and be able to travel through the what is it there was something rift the rift the cool and, rift and my girlfriend was just like this is sub dark crystal level like nonsense yeah but it's like I love that they've embraced it and I really hope they would it's like this is camp stupid bollocks and if they just embrace that it is then it's going to be wonderful and they have and I love it it's just sci-fi nonsense it's fantastic I really really enjoy and recommend yeah you know that. what before Taken King I was like on the, I don't know if you should play Destiny but after Taken King I think I've it's not made a huge change in my personality but I think now it's like yeah just fucking try it I've always been on side with Destiny and the fact that I've always been like you know what it's not great but 
they just nail the shooting so much. It is, the, yeah, I think I said this on a Darth Souls probably like years ago, but the thing to know about Destiny is that every enemy type has a different beautiful animation for if you kill it with a headshot. Yeah. And like the headshots specifically only unlock this beautiful gaseous the animation. And you guys like seem to have, and this all happens within like a, a, a fraction, you know, a moment of a second, but the new guys, like some of them, you shoot them in the head and it splays out this like black hole. And then their body Which gets sucked, then gets into, sucked the... into it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a splash of black hole that their body gets sucked into. And it all happens within like... A split second. A third of a second. And it's weird in the fact that there's something about the new enemies, the Taken, which, which appears to be incredibly cliched and trite. And yet when you see them in action and when you're fighting them, they're just so fresh and so new and so exciting. It's, it's fantastic. And I mean, you know, I talk about this stuff and I don't maybe not say that specifically because there's way too much to talk about with why this stuff is good, but... Yeah, do check out the video about Destiny if, if you get a chance. Oh, yeah, definitely check out Matt's video about the Taken King and how Destiny's changed. Cause... Cause, and also, like, if you've not played it so far, like, you're just in for a treat. I'm kind of gutted because it's like you, you actually have these legacy panels around the, like, the main area, the tower, which kind of show you what the game must look like for a new player. And it's cool. It's this thing of being like, oh, I see. That's how they've, like, structured the first part of the game now. It's loads better than it was when I was playing. <laughs> And it's this thing of being like, I don't regret it, because actually what they've cleverly done is they've made it so that some of the new missions, uh, if you have prior knowledge of the game, they almost like reward you by being like, it's almost like having somebody whispering to you and being like, you know what to do here, don't you? Because yeah. you know what you're doing. And that's fun. It's like a clever puzzle game thing. But if you're completely approaching the whole thing fresh, it's just great. The, big, the biggest problem with Destiny before was level 20. You hit this wall, you didn't know what to do, and people just thought, this is just a grind, fuck this. And now they've made it so that the level cap is 40. I've experienced what the level 40 cap feels like. It's fine. Because when you hit 40, you just very smoothly transition into just this sort other of stuff, other yeah. stuff, and that wall is gone. And now that level 20 wall, it just doesn't exist. I mean, this is why I'm always nervous about talking, Destiny on, talking about Destiny on podcasts, because you talk about structural stuff, you talk about walls and grinds and nebulous concepts that are like as outer spacey as the game setting itself yeah. and you just start talking bollocks you like, do but the important thing to know is that there were lots of people saying Destiny was fun there were lots of people playing it and there were lots of people criticised it a hell of a lot but now it's all fixed and it's just a great dumb sci-fi shooter that's really worth checking out so you said uh, before this podcast new game that you were playing something and I thought you said League of Legends yeah I've been playing uh, Loot and Legends ah which is an interesting one. I've been meaning to check it out for a while. It's an iOS game. Okay. And it, it might be on Android as well. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a semi-sequel to Card Hunter. Oh, Card Hunter. yes, this. I've seen this in the App Store and not bought it. Yeah, well, it's, it's free to play. Um, Away you go. Yeah, it's free to play with some kind of freemium elements. And it's kind of a tricky one. Basically, I do really like it. But it's one of those interesting things where, for me, Card Hunters was a... Or Card Hunter, I can't remember which one it was. Anyway. Singular. It um, was a kind of perfect, in my mind, a perfect example for, in terms of players of how to do, like, freemium. In the fact that it was free to play, but you could choose to then go, you know what, I'm going to give you 15 quid. And then you just, like, you get some stuff. And then that just makes the game better. And the way it works is it meant that you paid the money and then you got like access to the things. So every time you got a treasure chest, you just got better stuff. Like you got slightly better stuff. You got one thing that you wouldn't get usually. And that was really nice. And it meant you played it and you thought, you know what, this is a damn good strategy game. And then you pay the money and you thought, cool, I'm done. And that's, you've kind of bought the game. 
It was like a demo. What they've done with the, uh, the the new version is they've added a ton of new stuff. So this is still a game where you're like you're running around a, a board and you've yeah. got cards. Do you have like a deck of abilities that you're building again? I should explain it. Yeah, basically it's a game where it's sort of like faux Dungeons and Dragons style thing of little cardboard figures moving around as a grid based board, and it's all done as if you are like physically playing a kind of Dungeons and Dragons style game. But the way it works is your equipment is is made up of sets of cards. And it becomes this thing of then basically it's a deck. Oh, building this again. Game. So you put on a hat and then seven new cards are in your deck. Yeah. But it's much more equipment focused this time and the decks are smaller than they used to be in a weird way. I think I might be wrong, but it becomes like it's a bit easier to understand. And it becomes this thing of being like, oh, cool. I've got like a fire item for every slot on my mage. Maybe I'll try a fire. So bird. how does it change the formula? Well, it changes the formula by adding lots of new stuff. There's lots of new abilities. There's lots of new uh, like lots of new cards, basically. It's, it's, does it still have the, the storyline that you're playing Dungeons and Dragons? And, yeah, it oh, does. Oh, really? And actually, it's actually better than it was before in a weird way in the fact that it has this sort of... And I, I don't know how it's going to resolve, um, but it has this nice story of the idea that the guy who's DMing it is borrowing his older brother's stuff. <laughs> his older brother is clearly like a more senior DM. I love this. Doing. And it's, it's kind of sweet and I hope it resolves in a nice way because it seems to have this early theme of being like at one point early on when you're going to a boss battle the guy says oh my brother doesn't trust me with the stuff so he's taken it out with him. So you kind of fight this boss battle where it's all just like little pictures of things stuck to chess pieces because <laughs> he's had to kind of like invent That's it. That's so good. And then it He has, doesn't have miniatures so he's just sticking things yeah, to Yeah, which is really sweet and then you play some more of these, um, these campaign missions and it does like has this really awkward encounter where like and this is quite early on this is like uh, has this awkward encounter where his brother's like kind of popping into like in chapter between missions and being like oh he's getting it wrong and stuff I hope you're having I hope you're having an adequate experience and it's kind of interesting because it feels like a lot of things we talk about on like shut up and sit down of being like almost like it seems like his brother is like clearly a better dungeon master he's but he's not a good Dungeon Master and the fact that he's a bit of a dick. I love I love that. I hope you're having an okay experience, like putting pressure on his brother. Yeah. And like And it's like he's he's constantly calling up the fact that his brother's doing things wrong and being like, Oh, you're just you haven't he keeps saying to him you haven't put the work in, like, you know, you haven't Man, there just a, a tangent. <laughs> like I've I've been a dungeon master for like since I was like fourteen, like sporadically. Like I've done too much like D and D and sci fi stuff and Legend of the Five Rings and and, and like Hunter, which it doesn't matter. The point is like it's just such an interesting game design challenge. Like, if you have any interest in game design, if you're young and you're listening to this, you should absolutely try being a GM because, my God... It's hard. It's so hard, but, like, it gives you the correct perspective on game design, which is, like, you're going to... Like, anyone who's a DM is going to go, okay, what's my favourite orc fort? Who's going to be my villain? What's the adventure going to be? And then the first thing that is, like, your step on the road to being a good DM is realising, like... Oh, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is players having fun. Yeah. And there's always that friction in a in a game, which is so useful to a game designer of like, let's say you're you're I don't know, they're on a they're on a road to the um to the dungeon, and they're like, all the players are like, oh, is there a town? And you're like, yeah. (laughs) But I tell you what, if they all want to go to a town, you make a town. You make a fucking town. And it's when they get bored, you'll notice before they do, and it's making sure they leave the town. Before they get and then it's when the like the kind of like the game design comes in the fact that you almost don't you don't plan there to be a town there you just have a town ready when it <laughs> seems like they need and one. that's the put the work in thing like yeah. I think the most useful thing I came up with as far as my trick like 
when I was DMing this like Wild Westian thing, I had a list of names sellotaped to the back of my GM screen so that if any if they ever asked, oh, who's this guy's name? I could say the name because that was the difference between them going like, oh, oh, this is a real person. We're on the right track and maintaining the illusion that everything they're doing is pre-prepared, which is really exciting as a player versus them going, oh, he's fucking making it up. He's making it up. Yeah, and that's huge. So I would have this list of names and just check and draw a name from it and remember it. Yeah, no, it's it's a thing. And so I, anyway, I just love that this fiction is being represented in a game. No, and the thing is that the first game, Card Hunter, I love the mechanics of it. And in a way, actually, I think in my experience and things I'm going to say in a minute about Loot and Legends will probably be painted by the fact that a lot of the stuff isn't new to me. A lot of the mechanics are really fucking clever. And when I first discovered it with Card Hunter, I was kind of blown away by how smart a lot of the design was. So would you recommend people get Loot and Legends just for uh, the ideas and stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. It's one of these things where the first game had this very simple story of like, kind of, it was like the whole premise of the game was like, it's like these people playing this game and they're actually playing it and the guy who's running the game is in love with the pizza delivery girl and oh, what's going on? <laughs> and it was sort of like a bit awkward actually in a weird way. Um, but this is better, but I kind of don't know where the story is going. I don't know if the story is going to be this awkward thing that the guy learns to put the effort in and become better or if the guy learns to just have fun and, and tell his older brother that it doesn't matter. That's what you want. Because we're having fun, which is what I want. But I know that I he stands up to his brother somehow. And yeah, but I or can't... like that the brother says, "I'm taking over as GM," and you have to beat him. To... That'd be great. I don't know, but I, it's the, the story is already better. The premise was already really cool. <coughs> this idea that you're playing this physical game, but now the story is just better. See, you're smiling now. I'm surprised it's... you're hesitant to recommend. Well, it. Well, the thing is, um, it, it the first uh, Card Hunter had this sort of that, and you could play the story campaign, or you could play this online multiplayer where you're actually going head-to-head with other people. With the iPad version, which is it's not the same game, that's the thing is, it is kind of a semi-sequel, there's a lot of new stuff in there. But instead of having a head-to-head multiplayer game, you have this sort of, uh, this new game, which is like a kind of skirmish mode. And the way skirmish mode works is you're just put up against uh, three other like enemies, sequel, like kind of equal to you, but they get harder as you go on. Mm-hmm. But it's a weekly reset thing. So it's a weekly thing, and basically the idea is you play missions, and as you go up, you kind of pass these checkpoints on the XP meters that give you just freebies, like maybe some more gold, maybe a chest you can open. And it's just a bit more... There's a thing it does that I really... I don't know how I feel about, because it changes the way I play the game, and actually it takes some of the enjoyment out of it. And what it does is it does this thing where, rather than what it did in the first thing, if you can pay a one-off fee and then you just are part of the club yeah and then you get extra oh, things oh I forgot it was okay okay um, it does this thing where basically you can choose to pay money to become part of the club for a set amount of time okay and it means that rather than it being a set amount of game time it's a set amount of real time well like I mean you're probably only going to play this game for like one month right that's how long you yeah. play any game for well what I've done is because I like it and because I respect the devs and I like the game and I'm playing it and I'm enjoying it there's a, there's a kind of basic set you can buy for about eight quid and you get like a bunch of pizza, which is kind of the kind of freemium, uh, <laughs> like a co- currency that allows you to buy chests and stuff, or to buy more of this kind of loot club time, and it gives you twenty four hours of loot club time. But why twenty four hours? Yeah, not a month or something. No. What? This is the thing. Is it? And the thing is, when you buy this pack, you can keep buying more twenty four hours with these pizza packs. But it's the fact that it's either twenty four hours or like a week. And not a month. What does the time get at you? I'm missing this. Well, it means that when you play the game, when you complete missions, you get a chest and there will be an item in it that will always be like a slightly better item, which you won't huh. get. Weird. It's not a big deal because you don't need it. And it's one of those games where actually you don't need to pen- spend any money at all if you don't want to. But what happens is I like the little weird tournament mode where you're playing against these AI 
like 3v3 matches where you're playing against an AI and the AI seems quite smart I like the fact that sometimes it actually gives up when it knows it's lost in a weird way which I'm like I like you you're not wasting my time but then the problem is sometimes as a reward to, and this is a dumb complaint but I can't get my head over it sometimes as a reward for winning one the, like these little things you go past the little peak on the XP meter and it gives you like 120 minutes of this loot club thing yeah. and then what this does is it changes this game from being an iPad game that I just like to dip into and play it it makes me feel like you're does wasting that, your time. When does this XP buff thing that MMOs do? It makes me feel like then I should play it for the next two hours. Oh, because I'm, I'm getting extra stuff, but only for two hours, and it's like it, oh, that's a bummer, especially when you're self-employed. <laughs> well, no, this, I'm actually like I, I was talking about this morning, but I'm I'm kind of like in the process of trying to like write something which is about the interesting knock-on effects of uh, every big or every game now vying not just for your time and your money but for like your devoted attention and this big thing of like games as ecosystems and the fact that it's becoming exhausting and having interesting effects on multiple things but I just found it a bit like don't do this man like I, I'll give you money I like you but like I'm, I play Destiny I'm trying to play Metal Gear Solid 5 I'd like to play The Witcher 3 don't be an iPad game which is then like kind of trying to lock I mean, the me the answer in. is just to put it down but like if you and I had this into games we're wired to like respond when a game says jump we're like jump for how many points yeah and so it's I think if you just play it through the campaign and you avoid the like kind of other stuff it will probably be a free game which you can choose at one point to just chuck some dosh have some fun with um, but I think as well like my as I say I said originally I think my opinion of it is slightly slanted by the fact that when I first discovered Card Hunter a few years ago I was really impressed by the mechanics. So you reckon if people downloaded Loot and Legends now, they'd be like, they might be more. These ideas are crazy. Well, it's just very smart in the fact that it has this like grid-based movement. It has like ranged combat of like you can attack this, this. But you've got limited hands of cards. You've got limited hands of cards, and you have to discard down to three at the end of each turn. And it also has this clever thing of the fact that the cards go from left to right in terms of how new they are in your hand. So like the oldest cards are always at the back of your hand, and there are skills which like force people to discard their oldest cards. Oh, that's wicked! So it does. So good. It does really, really cool things. And this game came out at the same time as Hearthstone. So the weird thing about Loot and Legends is I'd recommend people check it out, but just I'd say just be wary of your relationship with the free-to-play stuff. It's not evil, but also I kind of fucking get it because this came out at the same time as Hearthstone and it's so much smarter and more interesting than Hearthstone yeah. and no one fucking do, played it do whatever it takes because and else. now it's this thing of being like they had a completely fair free to play system and they probably didn't do that well and now they've tried to reinvent it and add yeah. stuff and make it an iOS game and I get that well I'm on I'm, I'm on their side I'm I think, on their I side I think they're great devs and that's why I've given them like I've given them like 8-9 quid because I, and I gave them you know money as well with I think with Card Hunter just because it's this thing of being like this is cool I'm not sure how much I'm going to play it for, but it's very cool. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm down. I'm going to download it. I'm going to say the one problem I have with it is the app seems to crash a lot. Oh. But for its merit, it doesn't ever lose anything. It's oh. just <laughs> you it does this thing of being like crash, and then you load it up again, and it's exactly where you were before. <laughs> and it's like kind of annoying, but doesn't matter. Okay, let's wrap up by talking about yeah. a game which is just like so the opposite of free to play. It's full of heart, it's full of love. It's just so good, and it's Undertale. Ah, yeah. So yeah, God, you've played it for about an hour. I played it for about an hour, and did it Christ I should explain it uh, so Undertale is a game that looks like a JRPG looks like an 8-bit era JRPG um, you play a kid who falls into a world of monsters and you can fight the monsters and what separates it from the stereotype is that you can also talk to the monsters and uh, 
it's oh god what was it it's based the developers are based on a persona game from way back in the day where you could sporadically talk to monsters and every once in a while you can persuade a monster not to fight you um and it was very weird and very loved for that and this developer said well what if that was the whole game and so undertale is a game where you can talk to monsters and figure out why they're hurting and why they're fighting you and they're all kind of crap yeah and like i think the uh my favorite in the in the first like half an hour is like there's a jelly that's wobbling and it wobbles and it wobbles at you and you take damage. And you can flirt with it. If yeah, you're, and you yeah. check it out and it's like, it's wobbling seductively and you realise that it's just like sexually lonely. So you kind of wobble with it and flirt with it and it's like, yeah, and then it leaves you alone. And like some enemies, like once you've done it once, you never have to do it again. You're like, yeah. They, they, yeah. They're like, oh, you're that girl who, or that guy. The character is like gender ambiguous, which is fun. But like, I think it's supposed to be a girl, but it's I, not apparently. Really? They've said it was could be interpreted. That's how they designed that sprite. It's huh. a girl. I just love the fact that the sprite doesn't look like a hero. It just looks like I'm just really fed up. She just doesn't care. Yeah, she doesn't care. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I love it. It's like that doesn't look like a hero, but I like that. But no, it's weird because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of that that whole like fish bubble thing of being like these are just these monsters. Um, are just trying to get on with their day and they've got like their own luggage and their own beef and- so here's what I want to achieve here. <laughs> I talked about Inula Service and did my best to sell why it was good and I guess fucked it because you said that uh, you've seen so many people talk about it and shout about it but you had to play it not because someone had convinced you but because you could not yet see the reason uh, it's more because that I think good. that it's uh, it's one of those games that falls victim to the fact that you kind of have lots of people saying it's really funny it's really interesting but then obviously because showing you specifically examples of why it's funny and interesting is just spoiling the game yes so yes, that yes. you have this weird game that doesn't look to be anything and you get shown this really innocuous footage of it and you go and people you go, would have to quote the lines exactly yeah. together with the music that plays during yeah. them to catch the, music, the music's great oh um, it's incredible but then yeah so it's one of those things where it wasn't like a diss to any of the coverage it was more just like the fact that it's like you get games like some time time where it's no like, one wants to spoil it no one wants to talk about it but everyone says it's good and so you have to just look at the screenshots and go hang on a minute it doesn't look very good so you just have to trust it you know you have to just trust and it is really good the best moment like if I'm gonna sort of spoil anything is in the first dungeon like obviously I, I beat up one monster and then like oh god this is awful I'm gonna talk to them all so I talk to them all which means I don't get any gold or XP which is fine you don't need it turns out but then I'm, as I'm just leaving the dungeon, there's like a, I go into a room and there's a spider web and I check it out. The spider web is like, there's a little sign you see and it's like, spider bake sale, leave gold in the web. And then, you know, you can maybe take a, take a spider cupcake, which are like tiny. And I wanted to leave gold in the web because I hadn't killed anything. I didn't have any gold. And it was just like the, the horrible pain in my heart of like, oh, I want to support this burgeoning spider industry. It gets into your heart in a strange way. And it kind of does that thing of like, and actually, this isn't new for JRPGs, but like it le- allows you to do mean things and then just sort of makes you feel bad about it. I don't know, man. It is like JRPGs are so linear, and well, not not most of them, but I remember like um, there have been some games which have kind of allowed you to do things which you kind of think, "Am I being a dick?" Yeah, and then you and then the game catches you on it and goes, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's JRPG storytelling, like done. It has such little text box to work with, work with, and it does it so well, like. I think my favourite storytelling that I've seen in the last like couple of months like of playing games is um, this kindly monster who's like a very old wise monster takes you in and uh, you're in this world of monsters and you, you know your kid's like obviously having a mind blown and then you go to bed and you wake up actually it was two things first off the monster's like oh d- do you like cinnamon yeah I was going to say the exact same thing because she calls you up on the phone and goes oh, can I ask you a question do you prefer cinnamon or butterscotch and I'm like ah oh. 
butterscotch. And then she's like, okay, great. And then like two seconds later, she calls you back and goes, does that mean you don't like cinnamon at all? Or are you just not bothered by it? And it, it just basically manages to like, how it's not that it, that's what I, what I like about it is that it's not that it actually apes and spoofs JRPGs. Yeah. It like basically takes the tropes and then just like adds humanity to it in so, retrospect. So this is the thing, right? The cinnamon line that you just described is funny and you laugh out loud. Yeah. And then like the other side of Undertale and the thing that turns it from like, oh, a funny game into, no, seriously, you got to play really this. It's touching. It's so touching. So the thing it does specifically with the fucking cinnamon thing is you later get to that monster's house and then, um, and like I was exploring it and she's like, oh, your room's down the hall, but, you know, get some pie and uh, that I've made, the cinnamon butterscotch pie. And uh, I found a room and my room and it had a bed in it. And it's like, and two things happen. First, in fact, three things. First off, you look at a toy, which is in the corner and it says a toy. It's been here for a while. It doesn't interest you, which is like the Ernest Hemingway saddest short story yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. That, like. You now know this monster's been here for a while. It wants kids, it, it, like, it, but you don't care about the toy. So anyway, I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can interact with the bed. And I can, and the kid falls asleep. And you know what's there when I wake up? Yeah, the pie. The fucking slice of pie on the floor next to the bed. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. Like this monster comes and sees you asleep, doesn't want to wake you up, puts the pie down. And then the final thing that I'll say to finish this is then I, like, you, you then go into the living room and the monster's like, oh, hey, you know, did you sleep well? And it's a multiple choice conversation with two options. The first of which is, oh yeah. And the second <laughs> option is, how do I leave? <laughs> like, when can I go home? Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't bring myself to select it because it's like, are you kidding? I don't want to do that to this monster that's been so that, I mean, sweet. That, that's what's, I think that is the key of it is people say, oh, it's really funny. It is funny, but it's more, it's just, it's just incredibly human. Yeah. And it really Which is funny for a game me, about monsters, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, it does remind me there's a classic on the, on the, well, on the Mega Drive called Soleil or I think it was called uh, I can't remember what it was called oh god I think you've talked about yeah I've talked before. about this before but <laughs> they had a big theme about the monsters being uh, I think it was called I can't remember what it was called um, something they had about Babel and it was about this idea that the monsters weren't evil and actually the, the hero of the, the human folk the guy who was yeah that's the, a story he was a dick before, yeah. basically you know and you didn't realise he was a dick until you kind of saw it from the monsters perspective he was just an arsehole um, but then yeah so that idea of the fact that these monsters are just yeah they're having a bad time like and they've got their own they've got their own hang-ups and I like that and it, it reminds me of people and the way they're just like you know they're not bad people they're just like, they're, I, like I think one of the things it's it's very early and it's not really a massive spoiler but I like that there's one of the types of monsters oh is it just, the wasp well no it's the type of monster who will always attack you um, if there's other monsters there yeah that's exactly the one I was going to say and you check it to read it's little bio and it's like it seems to be trying to impress the other monsters. And so you get rid of the other monsters, then it just starts bouncing. It just chills out. It. And it's yeah. this thing of like, it just doesn't like being around other things. No, it's not that it doesn't like. I think it's like, it's it's being egged on. Like, it needs to perform. It's it's a performative thing. Ah, uh, yeah. It well, like, it knows it's a monster and there's other monsters, so it's going to beat the shit out of you. And yeah, then, yeah. And yeah. I just, it's even just that simple thing of just, it's this weird thing of having to deal with these things one thing at a time and rather than fighting them. But it's quite... Sad because also sometimes it gives you the opportunity. What I thought it would be with its whole like you can talk to the monsters would be like, do you want to fight them or do you want to love them? And it's not that simple because there are some monsters where like you can see they're like quite. They just you check them out and they're like, oh, they got you know they're just a bit frail or whatever. And you can just be mean to them and they go away. <laughs> yeah, that's and you the... feel so guilty. It's this weird thing of like I've never felt guilty about. Well, very rarely felt guilty about killing monsters, but. But when you have these like monsters that have low self esteem and you just go like I think there's one of the monsters I met early on and I just went to it, no one will ever love you as you are. 
and it just left and that was it I'd won <laughs> and it was like <gasps> and yeah yeah I mean I'm fascinated because it, again you know we've been trying to it's one of these weird things where we talked about spoilers uh, in an episode of Dark Souls really recently but I think it's one of these things where sometimes if you can't demonstrably show people why a game is, is worth checking out you kind of occasionally have to just yeah, tease a few things just to encourage people to look at it but um, I have been really blown away by it and found it within the first hour like a couple of things like quite I had a couple of moments that made me laugh out loud immediately and I had a couple of moments which I found quite upsetting um and, and so that's I'm, a pretty good hit rate that's for a like very a good cheap game to, that you're playing for like half an hour yeah, yeah it's it's very cool and I'm looking forward and like to all the moments in between you're just engaged yeah like you're just interested in I mean I think the one thing and I think other people have had the same thing as well the one thing I'm not so keen on is the random battles just because it's like after you've kind of solved each puzzle yeah of the monster once you're kind of like oh, I don't want to keep doing this again and again it's kind of annoying um, feels a bit dated but uh, apart from that I'm really really enjoying it and to be honest you know I've played JRPGs for most of my life and I can put up with that shit I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, if I'm, it's worth it yeah. if it's worth it then it I'll does, put up with it it does raise the interesting question that I have no interest in answering which is like the fact that you say oh I can kill monsters and I don't feel guilty but which is a fine attitude I don't want to be a dick to them but if you're a dick it's like oh that feels terrible which is ethically so upside down, I don't know where to begin with. Well, it. I think it's just because they add this humanity. They make these these creatures seem flawed. And I think that's the thing is, I think maybe, you know, you, you happily kill monsters in games. But maybe if you knew that that monster you're about to kill, if you just, like, put your sword in your sheath and said, you know, I feel no st- one's ever going to like you. <laughs> and that they would just leave Stop. and cry. Maybe you wouldn't kill them. Because I think, I think it's more to do with the fact that, uh, especially in video games, it's that classic thing of, like, you know, people have worked out that, people don't like to kill monsters that are smaller than they are like you have to make the creatures bigger than your character because then they seem like a threat oh, yeah. and there's lots of things like that that I think basically it's more that we're egged on for the very start we're like fucking kill him kill him kill him we're encouraged to see these things as a threat and I think as soon as you deconstruct that and just go this thing isn't a threat in whatever way you do it yeah. um, and I think that's actually the most effective games in history do that by making something which is like very big and appears to be very dangerous and then just basically kind of leak it to you oh it's harmless that's when the real guilt comes in. So it's, it's kind of actually, it seems super, super clever, but actually it's probably just quite a simple design in a weird way. Yeah, I was going to say something that's completely left my head. It's, uh, yeah, I've, I think I've heard that some of the enemies in it as well, you can't even talk to them. Like some of the, I think, I guess bosses and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> you have to work out that they just have to wail on you for a while. Like they just have to beat you up. Because like eventually, then they'll get like anger out and stuff. Like it's really clever. All yeah, a few things. Yeah, I've killed a few things that I wish I hadn't, and I kind of wonder if maybe I didn't have to kill them. But I've probably not. That's... You know, I feel sorry for the cabal in Destiny. Why? Because that would well, you know, well for a start, like that. Oh yeah, the fact they get exiled. They they get they get exiled and they can't come home until they they, they kill won. you. But <laughs> no, it's weirder than that. So I have a read on the cabal, which I haven't read the grimoire cards to like back this up. But the 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 shape of their armor and the size of them, they just seem really sad. Like no one wants to be that size. There's all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff about the cabal. Like have you noticed that the inside of their ships has padding, like a padded cell, no. which makes you wonder. And I think it's mentioned in one of the missions or some grimoire card that to settle fights, cabal would like fight each other. You know, if if they can't agree on something. And so I guess, like, but why else would the inside of their ships be padded if they're, like, pushing past each other and being, like, really angry? Like, 
I wouldn't feel sorry for them. I think they're just a big, stupid species who like fighting. But they're not stupid. They've developed spaceships and crossed the galaxy. But the first thing you're told about it is that they destroy planets when they get in their way. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the first line of dialogue in the game when, uh, when you're introduced to the Cabal. So I don't know. I, I kind of compare them to being like uh, in one of the... Like bulldozers. Ian uh, Banks books, I think, which is about like this squid race of things that have just developed all these arms that can hold eight guns at once. And, <laughs> and their hobbies are not to like... Oh, I know. They, they're, they're, they're just they're like in, um, hunting they're in accession. Yeah. yeah, they like to hunt things. And, and they they're just, so awful. They purposefully create things that are just good to hunt. Oh, yeah, and they genetically engineer species that can feel more pain and more fear. Yeah. So it's rather than creating, hunting, yeah, yeah. Like rather than creating something which is a fair battle, they create things which are designed to be the perfect prey. Yeah. And they're just arseholes who like fighting and killing, and I, I kind of get the impression that the Cabal are a bit like that. But it is interesting, and actually the Cabal, I, I, I do love them, and I love the fact that so far in Destiny... I like the Cabal. We've not had really stuff about the Cabal. I, they've, they've been like the side players. I'm patiently waiting for the next Cabal expansion. I'm so interested in... Yeah, I want to know what the deal is with it. What's the deal with these guys? What are here? I mean, it's the thing that the, the Cabal flavour that I love the most, and this is an example of how like Destiny is super interesting, that it's just buried in backstory you yeah. can't get to, um, is that um, the Cabal are like part of these legionary ships that travel outwards... Like they just go out from the home world. But the thing is, they've been out for so long, a lot of them can't remember, I think it's like either where their home world is or why they left. <laughs> like they've just been traveling in a line, destroying planets that are in their way, just obliterating everything, and they don't even know why. <laughs> like that's that's awesome, and it's full of super little awesome touches. Like maybe they'll remember why at some point, and it can be some story. And then they'll leave. Uh, do we have questions this week? Uh, uh, probably not. I need to sort it out. <laughs> I need to sort it out and actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort it out I think I'm going to just I've been thinking about this and I think I might just have a dedicated uh, place a dedicated kind of place with a post on the, on um, on Cool Ghosts where people can just ask questions and then just sort of go through and do stuff based on that and then what we delete comments as we answer questions uh, I might just like I don't know I don't know I haven't worked it out but I mean either that or just saying go back and ask last week's I can't work out what's the best system either go up to last week's thread and ask questions it's a roller coaster we're it's, still working it out it's yeah. the wild west it's a roller coaster themed around the wild west but I like to do it on the site rather than Twitter because we have had a lot of people over the past year saying, how can I ask you questions that are a bit longer? Um, obviously, don't write them too long because editing is a good thing. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I do appreciate it. Some questions can't be compacted into 140. All right. However, we don't have any questions this week <laughs> uh, because we've literally just done about an hour's worth, an hour and a half of Q&A. So, yeah, if you uh, want questions, then my God, do check out watch the, that, uh, yeah. the, pa- the vid on our Patreon. But this will be your last uh, proper Darth Souls for a little while. But- I was going to say, I'm going to Vancouver, City of Dreams... Uh, and and sushi. Canadians. There's not much uh, cheese there, though. No, that's going to be tough. You can work it out. I work it out. Um, and I'm going to be hanging out with Paul Dean and collaborating on some stuff for Shut Up and Sit Down. But yeah, I'm not going to be around for two months. So while I've deeply enjoyed being your co-host, partner in crime, uh, I'm going to be replaced by Joe Scrabbles. Yeah, is that right? Joe Scrabbles is going to be standing in as uh, as the resident Quentin Smith. I could not ask for a more lovely replacement. He's absolutely excellent. I'm really looking forward to having him on as a co-host. For Does he have months. the the voice down? Does he have the really loud laugh? Uh, probably not. He's got a different voice. He's a different human being. Uh, but we might have some stuff from you in the meantime. Um, have some like little uh, phoned in features or something. We'll I'll be returned. Phoned in, literally phoned in, I as opposed to like phoned that. in in the in the sense of one way or the other we'll find out it's been real Matt uh, 
thank you everybody for listening I will be back in uh, December but in the meantime uh, Quinns will still be on coolghost.net doing cool videos as will I and do you yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog people at home if so keep an eye on coolghost.net yeah we've got some stuff cooking up we've got some fun stuff uh, thank you very much as ever to listening to Dark Souls uh, that's not a sentence uh, but I do appreciate you take care kids goodbye goodbye